Hey everyone, I'm your host, Rich Mastriani. Welcome to the High Fade Society podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, or whichever platform you prefer. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. What's going on, Rich? Hey, what's going on, Chris? How you doing, bud? I am doing well. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. What a weekend we had in in golf this weekend uh, at the PGA at the Charles Schwab Championship. Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, what a tournament. I told you this was going to be an amazing tournament with an amazing field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It was uh it was certainly it was different to watch from my end. I, I'm used to the crowd being there and the spectators uh not having any background noise was certainly different. Uh but the competition was there. Uh we had a, a run to the playoffs, a playoff matchup, um, and it came down to to a five foot putt. And and Chris, that's why we have the rule in the fast company tournament, all putts must drop. Uh, we had a, a five foot putt. I'll leave that up to you. Uh, but to give you some background, the PGA really hit a home run on this one. I think there are 2.5 million, I'm sorry, 3.09 million viewers tuned in to the last three holes of the match from 5:45 to 6 PM. Uh, what a, what a great, uh, showmanship from, from the audience in, in tuning in and, and a great readout from, from the PGA altogether. To give you some background, last year when Tiger won the Masters in 2019, the mass, uh, that tournament had 10, 10 million viewers tune in. So this is a pretty big event um, here at this time of the year, considering um, there's no other sports on. And this was the first event uh, for the PGA or si- since COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is kind of known as the sixth major, I would say. The Players' Championship uh, is you know, known as the fifth major. But this is definitely always one up there with one of the top tournaments, and it definitely didn't let down this this week. It was such a great ending, and got to go to extra holes, you know, a playoff, and like you said, a five foot putt uh, determined the outcome. Yeah, but it, it was it didn't turn out as planned, right? So I think coming in, we we saw Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth halfway through was on top of the leaderboard. But it wasn't, and, and Bryson DeChambeau stood into to the final hole. But it wasn't the favorites that 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 came away with the tournament. Yeah, I mean, at you know, I I said Gary Woodland, he was you know top three going in. Uh, Spieth, I said you know don't count him out, and he had a an average Sunday, but he still had a great tournament. I'm very excited that he's playing good golf again. Uh, Zander Shoffley. What a great swing. He's probably got top three best swings in the PGA Tour, and I'd love to talk about that, you know, later. Uh, but like you said, Daniel Berger uh, comes out on top in a playoff. Um, I don't think he's won since uh, 2017. I know he won back-to-back years at the St. Jude Classic, and then he had some injuries. He was messing around with his swing, but he, uh, he was on fire this week. He was putting amazing. I mean, I don't know if you saw on Sunday, but he was draining like 20-foot putts, a 30-foot putt, 12-footers left and right. And, you know, what an outcome. (laughs) I think I I heard him say or I saw a quote somewhere online today saying that the last five holes that that he played on that tournament were some of the best golf he's ever played uh, altogether. So so great for Berger. 
Uh, I think he came away with 1.6 million, 1.3 million. Yeah, it was um, like 1.38 or something like of, that. Of an overall purse of $7 million that was distributed. Uh, but a, a huge win for PGA. Uh, and, and, I mean, what are some of the other key takeaways that you got from the tournament just outside of Daniel Berger's fantastic play in the last five holes there? Uh one of the biggest things that I see is Bryson DeChambeau is going to be an all-star. I mean, dude, dude is jacked. He he's is jacked. jacked. He put on 20 pounds of muscle. He's swinging out of his shoes. He averaged 340 yards for driving. That's yeah. over 20 yards from last year. I, I mean, and this, you know, to nowadays distance wins, they actually – it's kind of like the new methodology in baseball, home runs, uh, basketball, shoot as many threes. And in golf now, it's bomb away. Hopefully you have a wedge in. And if not, you scramble for a par. And with Bryson driving 340, I mean, he's going to have a gap wedge into almost every par four and be able to hit a, you know, five iron into par fives. I mean, how much weight did he put on in the off season? He went from, I mean, he always looked pretty big compared to golfers. Like there's some golfers out there that are, are pretty athletic. And I think of Brooks Kepka right off the top, off the top of my head. Uh, he's pretty jacked himself and him and Bryson got into some, uh, I don't yeah. want to say maybe Twitter arguments last year. So maybe it's hilarious. Uh, the, the Brooks. Yeah. The Brooks Bryson saga is actually a hilarious saga. We got to cover that one day. Yeah, for sure. But it, it looks like Bryson went from a, I think he went from a medium sized shirt to an extra large, which is two sizes bigger. And in golf, that's not, a, it's not a common thing for players to jack up. I think, no. uh, I, I think a few years ago we saw Tiger when he was starting to come back from some of his injuries, he, he was, he looked a lot more athletic than he normally did. Uh, but overall, I mean, you look at it, all the golfers are naturally athletic, like they're 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 pretty their their bone structure seems to be pretty strong. But you don't really see golfers like hitting the weight room heavily like in other sports. Um, and it's certainly having an impact. Obviously, Bryson's getting all this attention and it's clearly showing up off the tee. Right. It's um, as you said, averaging 340 yards off the tee. It's um, insane. I mean, yeah. it, it's it, well, first of all, to answer your question, he, he gained 20 pounds of muscle and 20 pounds of muscle is a lot. Uh, yeah. But more importantly, he increased his swing speed and he's, you know, he's driving like uh, I saw some swing speeds at 190 miles per hour. It's insane. Um, so, so what's the what's a good swing speed for a PGA golfer? That's a good question. Um or PGA, to put it in perspective, what would it be? What would your swing speed like? What would you be happy with if you went and got rated today? Uh, I would say mine's about ninety-five miles per hour, maybe a hun low hundreds. Um, you know, I'd say most. Oh, I think I think it was the ball that's going two hundred miles per hour. But his sorry, his swing speed was in the high one thirties. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. So if I took a real crack at it i might be at 105 i think steve Warridge, you know he's in our league mm -hmm. he, he got up to like 110 maybe but yeah he was he, he was pushing the ball up to 190 miles per hour uh which means you probably have in the high 130s swings wow that's pretty fast that's pretty fast yeah i'm looking here so bryson for he's at 240 pounds now he's six foot one 26 years old uh, certainly becoming a star on the PGA tour. Uh, you know, he he's, he's put on, put on the weight or do you think we'll see other players 
progress in this way? And if, if they do, what does that mean for the game? Um, if, if players start averaging 340 yards on the drive? I think uh, since Tiger, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's been progressing that way. I mean, look at the top five golfers. You got Rory. He's He was um, up there. I think he was number two next to uh, Dustin in driving distance. Rom is number two. He crushes the ball. Justin Thomas, although he's small, he he's actually top 15 in driving distance. Uh, yep. He swings out of his shoes. Brooks Kepka is number four. So you look at the top five golfers and Dustin's number five. They are in the top 10 in driving distance. And I think that shows you the new methodology in golf. Back in the day, it was, you know, fairways hit, greens in regulation, and hopefully you can make putt well. Now it's let's crush the ball and have – as short of a wedge because all these guys hit wedges almost the same i mean yes some stand out rory's not the absolute best wedge player but he's amazing i mean you know it not being the absolute best on the pga tour is like us saying you know i'm the head of green or two he's still amazing at, at wet his wedge game so, so what does that mean to that way just to step back there chris and when you say to be a wedge in um, so, so we're looking to be somewhere between your, your lob sand uh, to your pitching wedge in. But what does that mean? Like when, when you're, you're going to be a wedge in, what are you expecting the result to be? Uh, and what's the benefit of being a wedge in there? Right. So think about your dispersion rate. So a dispersion rate is the, your spread of, let's say, 100 balls, you know, your worst left shot your worst push so you got this uh you know uh, maybe like for us it's like a 40 yard distance for a six iron but yep. then as you get lower or higher whatever you want to say in your club so as you get to a wedge your dispersion becomes a lot tighter and you're able to put the ball closer and closer to the hole so for a professional golfer to have 100 yards in uh, I would say 80% of the time they're getting that within 10 feet and that 10 foot putt or closer, you know, I did a lesson the other day about putting. If you're within 10 feet as a pro, you're probably making 15, per, fit, sorry, 50% of those putts. Now, if you're a five iron or six iron or even a seven iron in, right, your dispersion becomes greater. And then you might miss to 20 feet and your your putts made become exponentially less. So really, it's about your approach shot and how close you can get it to the pin. So you see all these guys hit it, you know, 10 feet past the hole and suck it back. You know, they, they do that almost all the time with these wedges. And that's, you know, that's how they get that consistent birdies on par fours. Yeah, sure thing. So So going into the final three holes there. Um, and, and that seems to make sense for most people. However, uh, being closer to the pin, closer to the hole means that you're going to sink more putts. That obviously didn't bode so well for Colin Morikawa, uh, who, who had a five-putt putt in the playoff to push it to another playoff hole. Uh, the, the putt ended up breaking left to right, burned the edge of the cup around the back end of the cup and stood out, that, and that ended the tournament right there for Daniel Berger. Yeah, that was Hit, hard to watch. That, I, and I'm doing some research here. I, I Colin Mar- Morikawa, 23 years old, a new, he's five foot nine, 170, 79, 170 pounds. 
Um, this guy was born at my junior year in high school. So uh, super, super, super Isn't that young. crazy? <laughs> yeah, that, that's super crazy. I'm feeling very, very old right now. Uh, take, take us through. You saw the last few holes of the tournament. Obviously, Bryson was in there. I think I, I think he hit a sand wedge from 170 yards out on hole 17. Uh, but once from that point on, can you take us through what happened in the tournament and what you saw from your end? Yeah, really quickly, uh, something about Colin Morikawa. This guy is definitely an up-and-comer. He's made 21 consecutive cuts, he, which is the second longest streak in the last uh, 30 years. So this guy, you know, although he's quote-unquote a rookie, he's crushing it right now. He's made 21 consecutive cuts. So he's wow. definitely a future star, um, and I expect big things from him. Yes, he missed the five-foot putt. I think that had a lot to do with nerves. But look at him through the week. I mean, he was playing amazing. And, you know, he came in second place, and he was a five-foot putt away from first place. Wow. Um, Insane. Yeah. So, yeah, the last couple holes, I mean, um, Bryson DeChambeau, he had a costly uh, bogey on 17. Uh, Up until then, he was playing flawless golf. Uh, I think he was minus four at that point. And then that bogey brought him down to minus 14, so he missed the playoff. Uh, Zonder Shoffley, he was actually at minus 15. So he had, at one point, sole a lead. Then he was tied for the lead. But on 15, 16, and 17, he went bogey, birdie, bogey. And that was a costly mistake. I mean, Zonder Shoffley, he's one of my favorite golfers. He's got... Probably one of the nicest swings. Um, you know, you look at Adam Scott, you look at Rory, and then Zonder. Those three are just interchangeable. And the way they shallow out the club, it's just so impressive. It really is. Um, he also crushes it as well. I mean, that's another guy who just crushes the ball. His drives are just low stingers that drive, you know, 330 every single time. Um George Gankus, you know, we talk a lot about him. Uh, you know, he's Zonder is like the definition of what George is trying to emulate in everyone's golf swing. That way he just turns and shells that club out. But anyway, I could talk about Zonder's uh swing forever. It's just so pretty. Yeah, maybe maybe we, we spend some time with, with some video and breaking down that swing and, and maybe tie that into uh, George Gankis and some of his uh, some of his crew across the country as yeah. well. Maybe we could get in touch with them. Uh, so also, I mean, Patrick Reed happened to find his way into the mix. I think you see all the Patrick me- yeah. Reed memes come out as soon as he's oh in the God. top ten. Everybody gets pissed off. Imagine if he won, how many memes there would be about <laughs> 2020, the world falling apart. <laughs> hey, for sure. I mean, but the guy backs up his game. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Patrick uh... Reed is is always in the mix. It seems like every tournament he he's somewhere in the mix or has the the opportunity to get into the top five or the top ten. He's never really been off his game for the past year, um, and I think that's why you hear about him so much. So uh, you know, he he he's super cocky. Um, he he's not well liked within you know the PGA universe, but or maybe he's just the guy that everybody loves to hate. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe we see him. You know, he's definitely work. great for golf. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, he's an amazing athlete. He's an amazing golfer. Uh, he has some questionable moral ethics in the past, but I think he's trying to move on. So I think everyone just needs to back off and 
in the, you know, appreciate his game. Um, another key takeaway was uh, Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth. I mean, those two look back three years ago, those were the guys to beat. Um, and then in the last three years, they really haven't done much. Uh, Jordan, especially, he's been falling apart. And, you know, he was one or two back going into Sunday. So I'm really excited that both those guys uh, did well. Um, you know, he averaged, Jordan averaged uh, two strokes gained on the greens. And to put that into perspective, I think he was at like 0.1 for the season before then. So that was a huge improvement. Um, yeah. And then the last key takeaway I have is Rory. You know, he hasn't, I think he's been in the top five every single tournament in 2019 and 20. I could be wrong on that. There might have been one that he didn't. But how impressive is it that Rory, you know, if he didn't shoot what he shot on Sunday, I think it was two over or something or four over, uh, he would have once again been in the top five. And that guy is just unstoppable. I mean, to be to get in the top five every single tournament, how insane is that? I mean, that's that's obviously impressive. I, you know, it, it. I think the game has changed, right? So I think we've all become pretty accustomed um, over the past twenty years, obviously, with Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger Woods being in the pack, Phil Mickelson being in the pack, VJ Singh had that that run that he had where he was just dominating the sport. The sport's not not so much like that anymore. It really doesn't have a a dominating figure who's out there every tournament just eating everybody up. And it's either you have to get past this one guy in order to win the tournament. It's kind of, it's kind of a different approach, a different field. And I think that when you look at the field of golfers and, and how Tiger has changed the game completely, um, he's just driven everybody to be a better golfer. And every, everybody at this level now is just so good that on any given week, anybody can take the crown. But Rory, uh, do you see him as being that that figure that everybody needs to get past in order in order to win win the tournament? Yeah, I think currently he's the guy everyone's trying to beat. I mean, like I said, he's been in top five every tournament. Uh, he won the FedEx. Uh, you know, he's won I believe two tournaments this year. Um, let's see, he won he he won the Century uh, Tournament of Champions. He won the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. He was third at the Waste Management, and this week I think he was tied for 10th uh, or something like that. But being tied for 10th and being two over on Sunday, how impressive is that? So to answer your question, yeah, I think everyone's trying to beat him. Even Brooks said, I'm, I'm gunning for Rory at this point. So when Brooks is looking to beat somebody and not everyone looking to beat him, you know how good that person is. Yeah, and I mean, and Brooks a year or two ago, right? He um, was number one. He was the dominating figure that everybody needed to get past, but he 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 hasn't been able to hold that up. Yeah. Um, so as as impressive as the field is, and maybe the the competition's just that much tougher today than it was in the past. Tiger Woods' dominance in the game is is it's going to be hard for anyone to ever meet that. But I think it's more entertaining. I think the Oh, it's great. I think that the the competition within the field and just the, the characters, uh, the group of characters and the different personalities are somewhat different, but it just brings a new flavor to the game, which makes it uh, that much more entertaining. And I, I thought, Chris, and maybe we could touch on this topic and what your thoughts on it were. I thought we were going to have more players mic'd up. 
<laughs> but in the end, it ended up, you know, Justin Thomas led the way and said, it's none of your business uh, what I'm talking about with my caddy. And the only, I believe the only Fowler. player, Fat Ricky Fowler, who's, a, a, you know, a colorful car- character himself, was the only person to take on a mic. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my initial thoughts is Ricky Fowler's a narc. you know snitches get stitches um no but it's kind of funny because you know spieth and thomas they both said no way uh they said you know they're what the conversations between them and the caddies are for them you know obviously the match and the match two is more of a playful uh you know entertainment um i actually wanted more players to be mic'd up i think it adds a little uh you know, uh, education for the common golfer. I think my favorite part of the match too was when Phil Mickelson was talking about his chip on like hole eight or nine and about how the grass was facing this way and he was going to bump it, but it's going to skid off. And he does the exact thing that he was talking about and it landed two inches from the cup. And just to hear the pure genius that these guys are in their respective sport is not only educational, but it's just impressive to watch overall. So although I wish more players, I do understand from the player's perspective why they wouldn't want to be. I think it's a, it's a risk if you slip and say something stupid, like especially with social media these days, you know, if you slipped and said, you know, anything that would be off color uh, people would just bury you alive. And then also there's probably a lot of cursing going on, to, you know, and it might be hard to be live and edit all that out. Yeah. Oh, I think we saw that happen, right. Where uh, Brooks came in. Uh, uh, I think it was it Patrick Reed who uh, I think early in the round on Thursday chipped one in for par and uh, you know, Brooks came out was like, that's a good fucking shot or <laughs> something. something <laughs> I didn't see that, lines. but that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And they, and they, I think they, they caught that on the mic, which is great. There were memes on it on, on Thursday. I didn't see it live, but yeah. I, I think that that adds just a, a better aspect to the game. I think the disconnect between, um, you know, the growing, you know, the fans and the growth of the sport. Um, I think the the players can really help out the sport altogether in the growth of golf uh, just from a uh, traditional perspective or even getting more kids involved by just having that that color commentation from the player's perspective. Um, I think maybe the PGA should offer them the opportunity to to shut off the mic um, and, you know, the PGA should be and or CBS or whoever's broadcasting should be able to see who has their mic on and tune in. But then there should also be moments where, hey, there's the mic is on at this point. If you're in the final grouping, your mic is on the entire way. Um, or right. maybe if you're in the final grouping, your mic isn't on until, you know, hole 17 and 18, it's definitely on there. But for holes like 11, whatever it is, right. They, I think they could work something out. It would certainly benefit the game. And it, to hear stuff that like the, that the players are working on and why they're working on it. Like, is there something that's that Justin Thomas is going to be talking about with his caddy? That's so much more advanced than what Ricky Fowler or what Brooks Kepka is going to be talking about. Like you're not giving away any, I can't imagine you giving away any secrets to the game here. It's not like you're calling a play in the NFL uh, where, you know, somebody, the defensive coordinator on the other side of the field is going to see your play. 
I mean, even in the NBA or the NHL, you're calling out your lines and you're calling out plays on the fly anyway, and the team gets to adjust. I, I think it's a load of crap that, that players don't want to have the mics on. It's good for the game. They should try it out one tournament. And you know what? It's, it's, if, the play, if the fans are relating to you, you're going to sell more, uh, more of your sponsored gear. You're, you're just going to have – you're going to make more money off of it. Uh, that, that's just my thoughts on it, Chris. But we can move on from there. I don't want to – don't want to talk on that uh, too much. Overall, it was great to have golf back yeah, on TV. It was awesome. It was uh, such a good tournament. Yeah. What? <laughs> and looking at, at some of the stats uh, year over year, ever since golf courses opened again, we've, we're seeing numbers of 50, 30% week, week over week compared to last year of players just getting out there. So uh, I'm sure everybody, uh, not just to watch the watch the the game or watch the event on TV, but just to be out there playing golf as well. Everybody's super excited. Uh, so that leads into to our tournament coming up. We have uh, June 28th Fast Company uh, Freedom Invitational Tournament registration open today, guys. Make sure you get on. Make sure you register. Uh, we're going to be pulling the 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 groupings random this year. Just got off the phone with Philly Bookit. We had a debate over how we should manage that, uh, and, and we could get into that later, or we could talk about it now, Chris. So, um, w- I was looking at the pairings. And I was thinking about pairing up the top finishers from the last tournament, so Summer Invitational, and pairing them up in one grouping, like kind of like you do in a, a Thursday through Sunday tournament in the PGA, where the top scorers are paired together at the end, and kind of working our way through the tournaments in that manner. Um, after debating it with Philly, it kind of made more sense. Like we should just leave it random, random groupings, random pairings throughout the year and just let the course play out itself. What do, what do you think about that? I hardcore disagree. Um, with, with which one? That I think for the second or third tournament, and I, I think the Freedom Invitational is the best one to do it personally, but I think it should either be the top four from the last tournament get yeah. together or – you do the lowest four handicap. Um, I think the first one or two tournaments, we could do random pairings. Yeah. But I like to switch it up at least once or twice a year. Um, and I think it would add a different level of competition for everybody. You know, if you're on the lower end of your handicap or you uh, didn't play well in relation to your handicap, you know, it puts you in the group of the other people that were in that same level. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it would be real fun to have, you know, that distinction on this tournament. Um, but honestly, it's fun no matter what. And I'm excited to take your jacket back. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think so. <laughs> that jacket, I think it fits me better. It fits you pretty good. I know when I bought it, if he, but I think it fits me better. I don't think it's going anywhere. This Anything year. slim fit fits me well. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to fit Philly book. Uh, it's not going to fit a couple of people in our league. But overall, I think we need to have that topic. We should definitely get on a call. I would love to have that, that conversation on the podcast, get all the OGs on the call and talk about how we manage the pairings going into Freedom Invitational. Uh, everybody could tune in from there. Uh, back to the PGA, Chris. We had a, a great tournament this this week, uh, Charles Schwab Classic, the sixth major, you called it. Tell us about the next tournament that's coming up, S- kicks off this Thursday. Uh, it's down in Hilton Head, uh, Carol- South Carolina, and I want to hear more about the tournament that's coming up. Yeah, Harbortown Golf Links. By the way, have you ever been to Hilton Head? I've been to Kiwa Island, and I've played the Ocean Course there, which is my 
I, I can't imagine there being a better course in the United States to play on. Uh, but I, I've never been to Hilton Head specifically. Yeah, Hilton Head's just absolutely gorgeous. I don't remember it that well because um, I think I was like 10 or 11 when I went. But I just remember just pure, um, like in awe of how amazing these courses were. And the only time I ever felt like that was when I went to Augusta. Um, when I stepped on Augusta, it's just a feeling that you'll never feel before, uh, that you'll never feel again. It's just it's just like comes through your body. But anyway, oh, that's yeah. it. That, you said that you just said that on air comes through your body. But uh, just to give some details, that on... wasn't a uh, sexual innuendo. I'm just... saying it comes through your body, like not. Jeez. <laughs> so we, we have the RBC heritage uh, being presented by Boeing kicks off June 15th through the 21st. It's at Harbor town golf links at the sea pines resort Hilton head, South Carolina. It sounds amazing. It just sounds like a place that I'd want a vacation with my family. Uh, you're going to be able to watch it on Thursday on the golf channel. Um, it kicks over to PG CBS sports on Saturday and Sunday coverage. Um, and then you could tune in at any time. There's featured groups and featured holes on PG, uh, PGA Tour Live uh, coming up. So uh, do you know anything about the course, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I did a little research uh, similar to last week. This is not a very long course. It's only 7,100 yards. Uh, so it's going to be a tight course. Um, and you got to stick greens, obviously. It's got Bermuda grass, which I'll get into how that affects uh, certain players. Like Matt uh, Kutcher plays amazing on courses like this. But this is generally the week after the Masters. So RBC is not uh, generally a, a tournament that a lot of the top guys play. But that's obviously different this year with the modified schedule. And this year you got 155 players. Uh, the top five players in the world are going to be there. I uh, expect it to be similar as last week. Um, and yeah, we'll have another great tournament. I'm really excited about this because usually it's, you know, one or two names in there in the mix and it's not a tournament that everyone really watches. Uh, but that'll be a lot different this year. Yeah, um, for sure. So now we're ex are we expecting the entire field to be there? Uh, is Tiger Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, are are, are the old veterans going to be at this tournament? Do you think you have some veterans, but Tiger and Phil are not going to be there. Okay. Um, and we can go into it a little more. Uh, I think you know. Let's take a break, and we'll uh, continue on RBC when we get back. Yeah. All right. Sounds like a plan. Thanks. And we're back. All right, we're back. So just looking at some, some data from the RBC Heritage here. So last year we had C.T. Penn win his first PGA event uh, at this event. It took place from April 18th to 22nd uh, last year. He, sat, he shot a 272. I think he was uh, 1, 6, uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, about 13 under. Kuchar came in second, one stroke behind there. I mean, this is usually a pretty light field. What are we looking at? Uh, what are we looking at from the field this year? And and what are your thoughts on the overall competition of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, you got Rory McIlroy, like I said, number one in the world. Uh, Rom, Justin Thomas, Brooks Koepka, and Dustin Johnson, the next uh, second, third, fourth, and fifth in the world would be playing. 
Um, you got Ricky Fowler, who hasn't played here since 2012. Sergio Garcia since 2010. And uh, five-time RBC Heritage winner Davislav uh, will be teeing it up as well. So you got a lot of players who have either not played here for a while or have never played here joining the field. Um, the last five winners, which kind of makes sense, have been first-time winners because this is a tournament that not a lot of the uh, top guys play in. Yeah. So you got um, usually, well, I shouldn't say, the fi- last five years has been a first-time winner. So like you said, uh, C.T. Pan, first career victory ever. Um, you know, I think he'd be Dustin. Oh, I remember what happened. Dustin Johnson had, I think, a three shot lead or something. And he melt. He had a meltdown on Sunday. Um, yeah. And he, he basically lost the pan. I think he shot, you know, whatever it was, three or four over par. But on a course like this, that is uh, not doing too well. So. Um, Cooch actually played this course very well. Like you said, he came in second. Um, I think he's come in second here three or four times. Uh, he also is career on Bermuda grass. He's number eighth in, uh, the world for Bermuda grass, uh, courses. So that's why, you know, he's one of my bets this week, uh, to do top five. I'm not really sold after his performance last week. Uh, for him to win, but I definitely am going to put a top five bet in for him. So uh, we're, we're looking at a top five bet for Kuchar? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got um, a let's couple look at- bets that I'm going to throw in there, but he's definitely one of them. Um, he was runner-up a year ago. He has two other top ten finishes in his last five trips at Harbortown. And, uh, yeah, he's good on Bermuda grass or Bermuda greens. Yeah, so I'm just looking at William Hill here, uh, the William Hill Sportsbook. We're looking at Rory McIlroy's at plus 1,100. Yeah. Justin Thomas, the same favorites, Bryson DeChambeau, John Ram, Xander, uh, your boy with the, with the magnificent swing, and then Colin Morikawa. Uh, plus 2,600, I think he was. Yeah, I have him at plus 2,500. Yeah. I, I think we you – know, let's see how he responds to this. I, I would I wouldn't – I wouldn't veer away from putting action on this kid. He's a, he's a pretty good golfer. And I didn't realize how young he was also. Um, if at 23 years old with that type of pressure, I would have missed that putt also uh, would have been his first PGA tour win. Um, hopefully he could come out and, and do something there, but at plus 2,500 um, possibly maybe even a top five or a top 10 finish uh, there as well. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to put, a couple $10 bets in uh, Spieth and Rose uh, to win. You know, you put 10 on there. I think you get 310 or 30. I think it's plus 3,100. So if you put a $10 bet, you might get three grand there. Um, Justin yeah. Rose, you know, another $10 to three grand bet. But what I, what I do a lot of times is I'll, I'll parlay some top fives. So I usually – include Rory because it's almost a guarantee he's going to be in the top five. Yeah. Um, you know, this course, uh, it's on the shorter side. So players who are really good around the green and have excellent ball striking ability should have an advantage here. Uh, accuracy off the tee is in, you know, is more of a priority than length on this course. So I'm not 
even though Dustin did really well uh, last year, I'm not sold on betting on him right now because he did not look um, on top of his game with a short game. Well, we don't know what he's been doing. Yeah, on, on it's his vacation, funny. right? Yeah. You think about Brooks and Dustin, I feel like they haven't touched the golf club through this COVID-19 thing. And you got all these other players who are grinding, you know, uh, hitting hitting balls every day. I feel like Dustin and Brooks, like, oh, we're starting next week? All right. And they just kind of show up straight, show straight up from the club. Like, yeah. yeah, hit a ball, <laughs> and they still end up in the top 20. It's just insane. Those yeah, guys. It's, uh, it, reminds, it reminds me of me when I was in my in my 20s without minus the top 20 there. <laughs> Oh, we're yeah. playing tomorrow. Let me just show up. Though Louis just still does that, and he's he's entering into his thirties here. Uh, yeah, but he's not shooting minus six. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not even net. <laughs> he's so, not shooting plus six net. Let's be honest. That, oh, he didn't do that. He was plus thirteen, I think, last at the last tournament we had. Hopefully, he's got to pull. He might pull the jacket out here. Um, he's he's got to pull something out in order to be an OG uh, winner. He's still still just an OG. Yeah. Uh, still hasn't won a tournament, and uh, I think we'll, maybe we'll get some comments from him this week uh, on how he's going to change his approach in our tournaments. Uh, back to RBC. Uh, this course has a significant amount of houses on it. Uh, there's not going to be fans in attendance at this, correct? Yeah, no fans. It's actually, uh, you know, the PGA was very successful in the return in Texas. Uh, they had zero positive COVID-19 um, tests or you know cases um obviously they avoided handshakes they followed the rules there was no uh fans so i think until something changes they're going to go with the formula that worked uh obviously the ratings were amazing um and i think they're just going to continue exactly what happened last week uh until either you know so i don't see fans let's say uh till through the end of the year in golf. And I could be wrong, but I just don't see that changing. Well, I mean, did you, uh, they're selling tickets to the masters right now, but I think that everything is always dependent on, um, on the status of COVID. And I think some States who opened early right now are seeing uptick. Yeah. Spikes in COVID. So um, that's certainly something to keep a watch on. Uh, Obviously if you know, we we don't certainly want to go into lockdown again, we want to keep playing golf. Um, I'm, I'm losing my mind just working from home uh, on a regular basis. But overall, the, there's going to be no fans in attendance here. Uh, but there will be. I wonder. I'm, I'm interested to see the amount of house parties oh, that are yeah. taking place on this course. Uh, and I think there's 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 plenty of water, so there's going to be plenty of boats pulling up to the event. I'm sure um, as just something to do as as they kick off summer down in Hilton Head. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so overall, who are your favorites? Who are you definitely taking for RBC? Um, I'm taking Matt Kutcher, Brandon Grace. Uh, Brandon Grace, he was in the mix from Thursday to Saturday uh, in the Charles Schwab Classic. Uh, I think he had three rounds at 66. Um, Obviously, Sunday, I think he was like plus one. He didn't do too well. But he did uh, very well overall. He's playing well. He's been playing well in 2020. Um, He also was tied for seventh, I think, in 2015 and 11th in 2017. Uh, He plays very well in this course. And the reason I'm taking him is he's plus 5,000. 
Mm. So, you know, you, you put a small bet on him, you can win five grand really easily. <laughs> nice. Very good. Very good. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to take Bryson, but now that you said, you know, this course is 7,000 yards, um, obviously his driving will certainly help, but it's not going to help as much at, on a longer, as a, on a longer course. I'm going to take Colin Murakawa. I'm just going to, I believe in this kid. Uh, I feel bad for him. Uh, so I'm going to go with Colin. I'm going to take the much-hated Patrick Reed, uh, $10 there. And then I'm just going to go with Kuchar because uh, he seems to just do well on this course. Uh, so those those are the three that I'm going to take. We'll see how we fare up. Um, any other side action or side bets that you're taking um, that or any uh, prop bets that, that you're interested in? Uh, with yeah. This first? I'm going to take a couple long shots. Um well, the other person I'm betting this isn't a long shot is Bubba Watson. Uh, you know, he was tied for seventh. He was really quiet. There wasn't a lot of coverage around Bubba, but he was tied for seventh last week. And it's a very strong value play. Uh, he missed the cut in his one trip to Hilton Head. But I think, you know, over the last hundred rounds, he's ranked third overall in the field. Um, and, you know, He's just he's playing very well, but very quietly. So the with betting in golf, it's hard to win money if you're betting the Rory McIlroys, the Brysons, the Justin Thomases, because you know you really have to, uh, you know, hit it where they win. And you know, a good golfer wins maybe two tournaments, one tournament a year. So you really have to like either do a couple top fives or parlay golfers in so my long shots let's just throw this out there are luke list and sam burns and they're they're are at they're at plus ten thousand and plus twenty thousand so you put a ten dollar bet and you can get um what is that ten thousand dollars no sorry thousand dollars for ten thousand uh, plus 10, you know, and a $10 bet will get you $2,000 for Sam Burr. So those are my two. Um, you know, Luke List is coming off a victory uh, at the Corn Ferry Tour last week. I know no one watches that, but uh, he's a veteran, and he was sixth last year at the PGA Championship. Uh, he plays very well, once again, in Bermuda Grass. And I, I put a lot of weight on who plays well and on what type of courses because it's very consistent, and I find it to be one of the more consistent uh, stats that you can follow. And then I don't know if you know Sam Burns, but he finished ninth in this tournament uh, last year. And on strokes gained, he was at 2.4, which is very high. You know, I talked about, I talked about strokes gained a lot. 2.4 is very good. Um, so yeah. Sam so Burns, my, another young golfer, shots. Yeah. Sam Burns, 23 years old, born out, born out of Louisiana, lives in Tyler, Texas. He finished 29th in the PGA championship last year. Uh, what, what, what's so exciting about him that you've seen? Uh, he hasn't played since the Arnold Palmer invitational, but he's, he's just, I think the um, I looked up a stat for Bermuda Grass, and he's number twelve. And out of all those players, he had the best value. So he mm. plays well in these conditions. 
Uh, he played well on this course last year, so he's my long shot. And I'm not doing a top five for him. I'm just doing a straight $10 bet, and that $10 could make me two grand. So, little magic. Little magic little on magic, Sunday. A little luck, and we'll get there. All right. Um, awesome. Yeah. All right. So as we, as we kind of wind down here, uh, looking at the, the overall season, what are you thinking in terms of player of the year or FedEx Cup standings? Oof. So as far as FedEx Cup points, <clears throat> and I think player of the year has more weight. You know, the way they do FedEx Cup is, you know, a dollar value. And, uh, you know, it's definitely you're if you're doing very well, you're going to be in the top five. right? <clears throat> so you got Sunjay in as number one. Justin Thomas is two. Rory McIlroy is three. Uh, and then you got Patrick Reed as number four. If I were to put some weight on the top player of the year golfer, I think I would go Rory. Um, to do what he's done and go top fives in every tournament except one is just insane. I don't think Tiger Woods has even done that. Um, you know, Tiger, no one compares to him as far as wins. It's just hands down the most impressive golf feat. But – well, let's just... let's check that out. Uh, that's an interesting stat, right? We you might have what? So you're looking at Rory McIlroy from 2019 to 2020 top five finishes. Yeah, look then, that up. I, yeah, I, Tiger I Woods. Think I'm yeah, right on that. That he's only missed one top five. Yeah, I'll get back to you on on the next podcast with that stat, but um, certainly we'll look that up. But it's it's an interesting stat, and with that type of momentum, top five finishes throughout the year. Um, I, I think you, you have to be in at least the talks, at least talks for player of the year. Now, let let me ask you a question. If Rory goes top five finishes throughout the year, let's say he misses one or two top fives, does not win a tournament, um, and does not win a major, is he still player of the year? Um. Yes, I think so. So that was actually similar to, I think, last year. Uh, Rory won player of the year and there was a lot of controversy because uh, I don't think at the t he didn't win a major Brooks was repeating the uh, US Open so he won and he also had a bunch of victories so a lot of people thought Brooks should have gotten it but Rory basically had a top five in every single tournament and although I think he had one victory last year but and look that look that up while I'm talking about this. But he, you know, as far as you got to put a point system to everything, and the way the PGA Tour did it, he beat out Brooks by a small margin. So there was a lot of controversy last year in the fact that Rory hasn't won a major for I believe three years. Um, but to answer your question, unless you know a Brooks or a Sun JM or somebody or a Justin Thomas wins a tournament and a major, I think Rory takes it home again. Cause right now he's just crushing the field and everyone's gunning for him. All right. So, so I, I'm tuning into Wikipedia 2019 McElroy started the, <clears throat> excuse me, McElroy started the year five straight top six finishes Tied for fourth at the Century Tournament, fifth at Farmers Insurance Open, fourth at Genesis, runner-up at the WGC Mexico, and then sixth at the Arnold Palmer. So it may not be top five, 
but certainly top six finishes, right? Maybe uh, I'm if, off yeah. by one. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might be off by one. That's why I said. But you know what's funny about the WGC? So what What did he finish last year? Runner-up. Runner-up. And he, he won it this year, again, yeah. on a playoff versus my boy Zonder. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, this year he's – the Zozo, he came in third. WGC, he won. Farmers, he came in third. Genesis Invitational, fifth. WGC, fifth. Arnold Palmer, fifth. And then last week – uh, he fell apart Sunday. It's funny that I say fall apart, and he still was, I don't know what he was, minus six, I think. Yeah. And that was him falling apart, which got him to 32nd place. So. Yeah. Uh, he t- he also he won the RBC Canadian Open last year, and he won the FedEx and the Tour Championship at, uh, at East Lake Golf Club. The last Tour year. Championship. Yeah. Yeah. So big wins for McElroy. Certainly still has that momentum. We'll see if he keeps it up this week. Certainly, I'm going to be tuned in all day Thursday through Sunday. Again, sorry about that. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, sorry about that. We got cut off there. Um, we were talking about RBC Heritage. I, I think we got most of most of our key points in and who, we th- who we're watching, who we're thinking about. Uh, Overall, though, where are we right now with with Tiger Woods uh, and maybe Phil Mickelson? But let's focus on Tiger at this point. Are we going to see him again? And does it even matter? Uh, It absolutely matters. He's the GOAT. Uh, He puts asses in seats like we talk about, you know, the the famous phrase. Um, He hasn't committed to anything on the revised schedule, uh, but I I do think it's worth the discussion. you know, the RBC Heritage, he's already not playing. Travelers Championship is next. Uh, I think it's unlikely he plays there. Um, you know, Bush Harmon, his old coach, said he hasn't seen Tiger swing this well for, for I think he said, eight years, uh, you know, watching the match. I'm very excited the next tournament he plays. I really think the next tournament that he'll play is the Memorial Uh you know, that's uh, Jack Nicholas's tournament. Um, it's a hyper elite field. Uh, Woods has played in this event every year since he's been um, that he's been healthy, including last year. Um, it was the only non-major he played between March and the FedEx Cup playoffs in August. Um, he's a five time winner there. So I really think the next uh, time of play, which I believe it's July 16th. Um, is the memorial, so that would be my bet. Uh, and then the, the you know, memorial is usually held like a week or two in March, correct? Uh, yes, it's well, like I, I feel like it leads right into no, the Masters I think, and Memorial. I think right? it's in August, okay. Uh, usually, actually, yeah, it's gotcha. a little later. Um, and I think you're gonna see him play in all of the majors. Um, I think he, I don't think he's gonna, you know, obviously the PGA Championship. Uh, that's in San Francisco this year at TPC Harding Park. He's definitely playing in there. Uh, I think he's just going to have a light year. Um, and then the only other actual tournaments that I see, uh, except the majors and the tour championship, would be the Northern Trust. Um, you know, so with, with with just playing in the, in the majors and, and an event here or there, I mean, it's highly unlikely that we'll see Tiger in the FedEx Cup. You know, I, 
I don't know. I mean, if he wins one major, that'll give him enough points. And I think that's why he's going to play in a couple of these key tournaments. The Northern Trust, um, you know, he's played the FedEx Cup playoffs whenever he's healthy. And the Northern Trust would give him a a bunch of points uh, with not a huge field. So I think he's very intelligent in how he uh, plays within his body limitations um, but that's a good point. I mean, it's it's managing FedEx points versus, you know, wear and tear in your body. So, obviously, uh, he's chasing the majors number. So, you know, he, he's going to play in all the majors. So, how, what what is that majors number? If you don't have it, I'll just make a note. We'll get back to it at another episode. But um, basically, Tiger's trying to – break the record for most majors one which is held by jack nicholas right yes and that's is that 18 yeah and he has 16 16 so he's got to win two majors try maybe to get one this year one next year so maybe that's his game maybe yeah. he's just playing the majors tra- focusing on winning the majors getting well, into fedex sorry. cup I, yeah. did i say 16 his next victory would be 16 i think he, he is 15 now and jack nicholas has 18 so He's three back to tie it. Um, I think if he ties or beats Jack Nicholas, there it's just undisputed. You know, I think now he's still the goat in my opinion. Uh, Jack Nicholas didn't have the competition that he has. Uh, it's a different game. I think what Tiger did for golf is just insurmountable as far as the change and that he brought. But Jack Nicholas still has eighteen majors and that is the uh record of all records Th- that will be for that will forever be the argument if tiger does not meet that exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more it'll be a constant debate you'll be hearing it on podcasts and radio shows from now until eternity until somebody else beats uh either tiger or jack nicholas's record uh which i i don't see happening anytime soon even all with with all the talent in the field no one is even close to putting up any of the numbers that, that Tiger Woods had put up early in his career. Um, he was just such a dominant, uh, dominant figure uh, in the game. We probably, I, we may not see something like that again in our lifetime. I don't think we ever will. I mean, the only other record which Tiger, I think, will definitely beat uh, is Sam Snead. Uh, Snead has 82 uh, PGA victories. Uh, Tiger Woods is currently at 81. So I think over the next... 10 years of golf that tiger can realistically play. Um, he's going to win at least two. His iron play is still, he's still the best iron strike uh, ball striker there is in the game. And, you know, it's really about him managing his driving and being on with the short game. So if he's on with the short game and keep the ball in the fairway, you know, he's definitely got a good shot at at least two to five more PGA victories. And hopefully, with little luck, gets a couple more majors. So that brings us that that's going to bring me over to Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson certainly storied career, nothing like Tiger Woods's career, but has had dominating years. He's you know he, some could say he's he's just as important to golf as Tiger Woods is right now. Uh, may, but you know his play is starting to decline. Um, he's missed several cuts this year already, um, and as of tomorrow. Uh, June 16th. Happy birthday, Phil. Uh, he's birthday. on. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday, Phil Mickelson tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be on the wrong side of 50. Um, I want, uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see how many 
PGA championships have been won and majors have been won by somebody who's 50 or older. Yeah, I think he's um, it's crazy because if you take Tiger Woods out of the equation, his five majors, I think he's won five majors. Um, I think that number triples and I'm not I'm not I wouldn't even think twice about that number. I think he would have 15 to 20 majors. Uh, he was just such a sure, talent. Yeah. And, and to just get you just get you straight on on the facts here, Phil Mickelson's won forty four events on the PGA Tour, five major championships, right, five three Masters, a PGA, and an Open. He's won three of the four majors, has not won all four. Right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's just he was always Tiger's uh, nemesis, and it was exciting to watch them. And, you know, now they're buddies. You know, Phil Mickelson, by the way, is hilarious. His social media, his just presence, his obsession. I used to despise bad shot and be laughing, but I've actually grown to love him and more of a love to hate him kind of way. But yeah, for he's sure. definitely uh, good for the game, like you said. Um, and, you know, Tiger Woods wouldn't kind of be where, who Tiger Woods is without Phil. So you have to attribute a lot of golf's success with Phil Mickelson. Yeah, and, and just uh, and as a final point, as we wrap up uh, here, our episode number five. And th- everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, when you do sign off to this, please uh, leave us a review. It helps with us uh, in, in gaining some more audience and we'd love to hear your feedback and we'll certainly uh, put that into our next show. Any feedback that you give us here uh, coming into the end of this episode, Chris, who in the current field of players out there, who's the next bi- biggest rivalry uh, tiger and Phil were always a big rivalry. Who do you see that being uh, in the current state? Yeah. I mean, I think it's Brooks and Rory. I think currently those two uh, have, are the biggest talents. Um, Justin Thomas, uh, he's too nice, I think, to have the media, you know, me versus him. But Rory and, you know, Brooks, I think that's a great rivalry. Uh, the other one would be Bryson versus Brooks. Uh, I think if Bryson lowers his ranking, I think he's 12th in the world right now. If he gets in the top five, uh, I think the media is going to eat it up and it'll be the Brooks versus Bryson show. Well, and I think I think that's something we should forecast. Let's see. Uh, let's let's forecast Brooks and Bryson out on the next episode. I think that's a good talking point. What are your thoughts? Yeah, let's talk about it next week. I have a bunch of thoughts on those guys. You got it, Chris. Thanks for jumping on, everybody. Thanks for listening all the way through. Uh, thank you so much. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram. Follow us on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And I just sent this in for iHeartRadio too. So uh, be on the lookout for iHeartRadio podcast as well. Leave a review, share it with your friends. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Have a great week and hit them hard. Later. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the High Fade Society podcast with Rich Mastriani and Chris Vettieri. Uh, Please take a moment to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment or review. We're happy to get the feedback and and make any adjustments that that you feel would be better for us. Also, we're looking for featured guests to be on the podcast. If you are a golf instructor or in the golf industry whatsoever, uh, please follow us on Instagram at high underscore fade underscore society. 
send us a DM message. We'll be in contact with you shortly. Thanks so much for listening.